0: I'm Ronald Day, and uh, I'm a descendant of of the first settlers in Claiborne Parish, uh, the Millers. And uh, I just want to share some of the stories that's been told through the years about the the Millers. And one of them was uh, one of the Millers. The lady was named Emmeline, and she, her husband, had gotten killed in the Civil War. And everybody, and she had several children, and everybody was saying, poor Emmeline. Poor Emmeline, uh, what is she gonna do? Well, this salesman come through, and uh, everywhere he stopped, he he hear him talking about poor Emmeline, and he said, "I want to meet her." (laughs) So they met and uh, fell in love and and got married, and that's where the Putson family started. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so she is buried. Out on the government land back north of uh, Mendon, on the Germantown Road, back up in the woods, and and what uh, she's reading, she wanted to be buried up there. Was she's buried on a hill, and she said that way she could always look down on her, on her guard, and uh, make sure her children were okay.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's it's back. Uh, up there right by itself.
1: What an amazing story. Welcome to Leno, where we explore the side of Louisiana most don't know about, northern Louisiana. I'm your host, Jacqueline, an Air Force veteran and journalist who has made it my mission to tell stories that have mostly gone under the radar. On this episode, we'll be trekking into the backwoods of northern Louisiana all the way to the site of the very first European settlers cabin site in what was Natchitoches Parish back then, though it's Claiborne Parish today. Claiborne Parish was carved out of Natchitoches Parish on March 13, 1828, and the center of Claiborne Parish government was in John Murrell's cabin. After the Civil War, on February 27, 1871, Claiborne Parish was divided and Webster Parish was formed out of some of her old borderlands today we'll hear the story of an early settler who tricked one of our first Claiborne parish sheriffs and we'll also go inside of an abandoned church built in 1877 that i am now determined to restore so grab a glass of sweet tea and sit for a spell because ronald day is about to take us back to the 1820s in an unsettled and untamed land these old roads in Claiborne Parish go from gravel to hardtop back to gravel again and then suddenly back to hardtop again over and over as we are on our way to the old Miller Cemetery right now we are we pull up to the stop sign we are on the corner of Frank Miller Road and Dutchtown Road. The Miller Cemetery is located on Frank Miller Road, and I can't wait to see it. On April 29, 1999, Susan T. Heron of The Guardian Journal published an article called Father of Claiborne Parish, John Murrell Arrived in August of 1819. In the article, it says... In the winter of 1818, Mural, his wife, and six children left Carthage, Tennessee with a few household goods, cooking utensils, a pack horse, two dogs and a rifle, and traveled by barge down the Cumberland, Ohio, Mississippi, and Red Rivers, seven years before Louisiana became the 18th state to join the Union. Ten families joined the murals at Nashville by the names of Wallace, Clark, Ward, Manning, Dyer, Hudson, Robinson, Duty, Dooley, and Peterson. Although most of Murals' neighbors were Indians, a number of pioneers in the surrounding areas are known, such as legendary trapper trader John Honeycutt in Union Parish and the Fizels in Downsville area. A widow, Long, and her son, Davis Long, settled the Hainesville area in 1818, built a log cabin on the north side of Dixie Bayou, but moved the next year, leaving the area unsettled for years. Several years later, a group of Carolina immigrants settled east of Claiborne Parish. James Huey settled south of President Calhoun, while son-in-law, son-in-law Daniel Covin settled at Calvinsville, which was later renamed Vienna. Other settlers included names such as Sims, Butler, Peters, Rainey, Pipes, Sykes, as in Sykes Ferry, right at Shongaloo, Alden, and a Richard Fields near Old Germantown. On March 29, 1819, Muriel's seventh child, Isaac, was born and is considered to be the very first white child born in Claiborne Parish. Now, all of this is really pertinent information because you are about to hear exactly why the murals are important. Not only are they the first settlers in what is now known to be Claiborne Parish, but they are a very important part of the story that you're about to learn. So your family, Frederick Miller, came over straight from Germany with his wife. And you showed me the manifest earlier yeah. from the ship where they arrived in New Orleans. That's right. And they came on up. Do you know what river they would have come up to get here?
0: Uh, Loggy Bow was uh, navigable at that time. Oh. And they were coming up, up the Loggy Bow and, uh, and got uh, log jammed. And so uh, that's when the Merls went and got them.
1: So there was a big log jam in Loggy Bayou, mm-hmm. just like there was in the Red River? Yeah. Really?
0: It, you know, it's that it was back, say, the 1820s when you could still travel with Loggy Bayou.
1: Wow. Yeah. And they didn't do too well once they got to Loggy Bayou, did no, they? No,
0: that's where they got uh, kind of stopped. And I don't know how they, how they found out about them, but they went down and... and uh, Brought, brought several of families up and and uh, and, and taught them mm-hmm. how to how to get along here in America.
1: One thing that I find really interesting <laughs> that I did not realize about the murals is that they spoke German. They were German, and your family, the Millers, it's recorded as the Mueller's, wasn't That's it? Right. On uh-huh. that, um, when we were looking at the ship manifest. So they were fluent in German, and do you think that might have been part of the reason why the murals had heard about these Germans? Well, possibly and
0: could, yeah.
1: Maybe wanted somebody to speak the mother tongue because with them? Because
0: they said John Murrell was a, a very caring and giving person. Really? So when he found that they were in, in uh, dire need, he went to see could he help them. He was that kind of guy.
1: The story of the Mueller family, who later became the Miller family, being stuck because of a log jam really captures my imagination, because I have always been told stories of log jams in northern Louisiana. Log jams on waterways in early settler northern Louisiana were a real problem, Old timers often spoke to me when I was a little girl of rivers flowing backwards and trees piling up like pixie sticks in those rivers as a result of the New Madrid earthquakes that began on February 7th, 1812. Now, are these stories true? I don't know at the time northern louisiana was still inhabited by native americans and the occasional explorer or very brave early settler what happened to those native americans that's an entirely different question and one i fully intend to explore in the future though not in this podcast For now, we're heading back out to the Miller Cemetery to hear a story about a brandy-making outlaw who once tricked the sheriff of Claiborne Parish. This is John Miller Jr., May 31st, 1822, July 27th, 1905, and then it says, he died as he lived, a Christian. Absolutely beautiful. Now, is this the one... No. That is, that ha, there's the story about the brandy.
0: It was his son, I do believe,
1: <laughs>
0: named George, mm-hmm. and uh, they had uh, voted that it's illegal to make brandy in Claiborne Parish. <laughs> so meanwhile, the parishes were divided uh, from Claiborne to Webster, and one of the guys, uh, you could make you could make brandy here in the parish but you couldn't uh go outside the parish with it so uh this man had uh had the fruit to make brandy but he didn't know how so he got george to come over from uh webster parish to make it (laughs) and that was the illegal part But he made it (laughs) and uh so they had uh uh they had the grand jury met, and they had a warrant out for him. we were going to arrest him. And he he was not known for being a real clean-shaved. He was about 6'3", and was a tall, slim man. But he, he always kept a three- or four-day-old beard, and he wasn't uh, uh, the best dressed. He was pretty slouchy. They, uh, even his kids said he was slouchy. <laughs> and so he went to Homer one day and he stopped by mr king's store and mr king was talking to him and said you know they they got a warrant out for you and he said no what what for he said for making brandy and uh, when you go to pay your tax he said they're gonna arrest you
1: oh my goodness
0: <laughs> so he went and got a clean shave bought a new set of clothes new shoes and to show it, it was old, it said he bought a new collar, you know. What? And tie, and got a haircut. And he went to the sheriff's department to pay his taxes. <laughs> and when he went in, uh, he said, I'm here to pay George Miller's taxes. And uh, the sheriff looked at him and said, well, hi, is George? And he said, well, yesterday when I seen him, he was doing okay. And the sheriff took the, Was taking his money and gave him a receipt, and he walked out. (laughs) It's because he was so clean cut and had changed his appearance that they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And when he got home, they say his wife and kids like not to recognize him. So that's how he got out of. Getting arrested for making brandy. Claver there, Paris. You know,
1: there's still a lot of people around Clover Parish that if we cleaned up, you wouldn't know who we I know. were. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that really interests me in the lives of the early settlers is I want to know things like, How did they eat? Did they hunt? What things did they have in their garden? What plants did they bring with them? What seeds did they bring with them? Did the Native Americans who were here at that time, did they help them learn how to work the land? Did they teach them what native plants were good to eat and how to use those native plants for foods and medicines? I also wonder, was money important to these early settlers? Did they grow extra goods and try to find some way to sell these goods to make a little bit of extra money to buy things and how did they buy did they buy from catalogs and all of these questions you you can't always find the answers to them but anytime I have the chance to ask a direct descendant I do and here are some of the answers I got to some of those questions
0: and they would they would take two wagons because the roads were so bad that most time a wagon would break down. Really. So they'd have to either shore that cut. They would cut uh, little trees and make a sled out of it to pull it. And they'd have two team of mules and then move stuff to other wagon. And then really. It was a long a long haul.
1: So they would raise things out here and mm-hmm. then take them all the way into Minden. Take them
0: into Minden. And uh, and so they got the railroad in. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they did, well, uh, you know, that kind of ended, uh, they could get stuff better.
1: Do you have any idea what the millers would have grown to survive back then? What kind of plants would they have grown and animals?
0: They, they, uh, I know they, they uh, had a lot of fruit, you know, the peach trees. And they uh, brought a cutting of a grape, Mm -hmm. some type of grapevine Mm -hmm. over and it was handed down uh, through the years. Uh, all the uh, you know grandchildren that wanted wanted a cutting, they always got it when they started setting. You know when they got married and set up their own own home. And uh, the only the only thing I I think is uh, Dr. Will Sanders over here on Madry Road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he bought the old Madry House, right. And uh, and he has some scuppernong vine. And I think that's part of the probably the original
1: that's so uh, awesome.
0: vines. You know.
1: I'm gonna have to ask him for a little yeah. piece of that. <laughs> ask him.
0: And he'd be glad to talk to you.
1: Mm, that would be wonderful. Um, yeah. And I guess up next we're gonna take off and look at the actual Miller Homestead. It feels different to me driving these back roads now that I know the stories behind some of these road signs dutchtown road is no longer just dutchtown road now i understand that the miller family took dutchtown road to get to the old germantown settlement and being in these woods you get a real feel for how far away we are from civilization today but i i, I still can't imagine how far they would have been away from civilization back then i mean we're talking some of the earliest settlers to come into claiborne parish But right now, we're pulling up, we're on Bethlehem Road, pulling up to Bethlehem Cemetery. So, let's go check this out and see what's here. Oh, look at that
0: church. And you know, they were, people were taking, uh, we're going to tear it down for the old wood. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the windows have been taken out, and all the pews were, were, uh, I think, sold, you know, for a, a donation to go back into the cemetery, upkeep of the cemetery, and so friends of mine was trying to get some lumber out of here, and they they was they got a little nervous, thinking the church may fall in on them, so they quit.
1: Oh, that thing's in good shape.
0: And that's been uh, plumby three or four years.
1: ago. <laughs> no, I'm looking oh, yeah. at her. She's old, got good bones. Look at her.
0: church, and you can see the the uh, underneath it, those, those beams. You can Mm -hmm. see where they've been hewed. Oh, my goodness. They they go long.
1: Oh, look at the doorway. And there's not a door on Mm -hmm. it, but...
0: Somebody's been in here getting some stuff on it. Beat out good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, if somebody could come in here and really salvage a lot of this. Yeah. Look at that
1: ceiling. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Guess what we have? <laughs> no, we can't. We can't <laughs> play it. <laughs> 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 Almost got
0: it tuned,
1: boys. Oh, we tried. That's just not See, gonna work at all. That's where
0: the pulpit was. Oh.
1: That was the classroom
0: right there. Wow. And the classroom. And then, uh, this was, they even had an organ here, but, uh...
1: My goodness. I don't want anybody to salvage it. I want to put it back together.
0: Oh, yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't this be something to have those wedding things,
1: you know? For real. This is in really good shape. The Bethlehem Church really touches my heart because... I grew up going to an early settler church. When I was two years old, we started attending New Bethel Baptist Church in little Rocky Mount, Louisiana, and this is an early settler church where our pews were made of solid pieces of wood and there were no nails. And we didn't have air conditioning when I was a little girl. So the windows were open and you sat with a little church fan in your hands and fanned yourself when it got hot. And that was just a normal way of life for me. That was a normal way of life for us in our tiny early settler church. So when I walk into a historic church in the woods of northern Louisiana that has been abandoned and is no longer in use... I know what it felt like to attend churches like that because I have I've done that in my lifetime and at the time when I was young I didn't know that it was something special I didn't realize I was one of the last people to have that experience but these old churches really touched my heart and Bethlehem is a beautiful example of what it was like to go to church in the woods back then. But now we're on our way to the Mural Cemetery, the very first cemetery in this region. And we're also going to the Mural Home site. And that is where John Murrell's cabin stood when he came in 1819. Okay, and what is this?
0: John Murrell Home, Clavin Parish government began here.
1: About 1828. 1828.
0: What? And back down there at the cemetery.
1: Well, look at that.
0: This was called a military road.
1: That is the most humble marker I have ever seen. Yeah, I'm going to take a picture of that. And down this road, this is the old
0: military road. uh Cemetery.
1: And that's the mural Uh cemetery? Cemetery.
0: It's back in there. And it's got white and black buried in it. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. And it's still one time reading the the, uh, names pretty good early 1800s
1: wow yeah I'm gonna have to one day hike back there and see that one do you have a story or a special place that needs to be featured on Leno don't be shy email me at louisianajournalist at gmail.com. Remember, this is our history. This is our combined culture because there are many different cultures of Northern Louisiana. So no matter what culture you are from in Northern Louisiana, reach out to me because we have a lot of stories that we need to tell really quickly. We have a lot of historic buildings to tell people about, and maybe some of them can be saved and maybe some of them can't. But you know what? We've got to try. Thanks for joining, and thanks for listening to Leno. Leno would like to thank Ronald Day for sharing his early settler family legacy here in northern Louisiana. And we very much look forward to sitting down and talking with Ronald in the future because he has agreed to share many, many more of his family's early settler stories. So tune in to Leno in the future for a lot more of our earliest recorded history.